Thank you, Raul. My name is Pastor Scott. I'm really glad to be with you this final Sunday of Advent before our Christmas Eve services. And the message today comes from a little bit of different uh, scripture reading for Advent. I'll be preaching out of Luke 5, uh, based roughly, uh, actually, on that promise of Isaiah that the lame would leap, and then based on this theme of with that we've been looking at during Advent, and this idea of Jesus' ministry in Luke 5, that amazing things happen when we raise the roof, when we let Jesus encounter the places of blockage and paralysis. And so my hope today is that this is a bit of a good news message for you, that for every one of us in the room, this is a little bit like the good news of Christmas morning, uh, but here uh, out of Luke 5. So Luke 5, verses 17 through 26, let me read this for us. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Will you pray with us now? Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for your ministry that longed to heal and reveal power and to convict of sins, internal and external, and, and bring dead things to life and bring paralyzed people to movement and to bring doubting people to places of peace. And so God, in a couple of days, we will pause and reflect on your birth, but today we reflect on your power and on the prophecy that you are a king who came to change us. Not just that we would think different, but that we would be different. And so open up our eyes and our ears and mostly our hearts to engage you now that we might be uh, motivated to, to motion and movement coming out of this message today. Lord Jesus, we're, we're waiting to experience you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen, amen. Our message today is called Make a Hole in It. And it's based off this idea that as amazing things happen when we remove the roof, make a hole in it. Turn to somebody on your left or right and just tell them, make a hole in it. Make a hole in it. Make a hole in it. There are things that are blocking us. There are things that feel overwhelming to us. There are things that are keeping the people that we want to see set free in places of bondage and paralysis. There are roofs on it. There are things that feel like insurmountable and overwhelming. And this story some of us have heard before, and it's just not that simple. I had the opportunity to pray with somebody after the first service, and they're like, it's my family. Like, how does my whole family fit into the mat, down into the roof? Like, you know, it's complicated. But the promise of scripture through Jesus today is that Jesus wants to change us. The transformative impact when Jesus came into the world is saying, I want to, I want to raise the roof. 
And those of us in Seattle that are music fans, our mind goes to the Macklemore, the Seattle artist. You know, can we go back? Like the ceiling can hold a dance party. No, we won't. But I just wanted to play Macklemore in church. So there we did it. It happened. Amazing things happen when we raise the roof. Now, what's amazing about Macklemore, he's He's a Seattleite, and uh, I think I don't know if he loves Jesus, but I hope someone around him gets to tell him the good news about Jesus. Uh, a couple weeks ago during the Sounders championship game, Macklemore and his wife are part owners now in the Sounders, and so they put on a free concert before the championship of the Seattle Sounders soccer match in Pioneer Square. Tens of thousands of people, when that song came on, people were going bananas. I said it before, I'll say it again, what if the church... Felt like a Macklemore concert. What if the church felt like a Sounders championship game? This is the power of the gospel. The transformation was meant just not that we would think different about Jesus and kind of stay in our nice little religious circles, but that our entire lives would be changed, that the homes of our faith would be blown off. And so the promise in scripture is that there are things that Jesus wants to make a hole in that you feel like are, are, are kind of stuffing your joy. They're controlling your peace. They're blocking people around you from experiencing experiencing all that Jesus has to offer this season. I know I certainly have been going through it too. I've been struggling for the peace, even this morning of the Advent candle, such a great reminder. But Jesus, through the scriptures this morning, man, he wants to, he wants to make a hole in it. And that every one of us would be in this story today, reminded that Jesus wants to encounter us. Incredible story about a man who makes a hole in a roof, his friends do, to put him right in front of the only place where he can actually be transformed, that's in front of Jesus. Now, I'm not much of a contractor, I'm not very handy, but early on in our, in our home buying experience, we recognized that we couldn't afford a contractor, though I love my contractors very much. I mean, contractors read this story and like, I'll tell you the real miracle. Jesus didn't have to pull a building permit and deal with the city of Seattle. <laughs> you know. Uh, but like for us, like there, you know, we, when we were newlyweds, we bought a little house in LA, tiny little house. We couldn't afford to do the work ourselves. So luckily my father-in-law came down, took a week off work to help me rewire our house. What that meant was crawling under the house and crawling over the house in the attic to fish wires down the walls to rewire the boxes. Does anyone, anyone done this work? Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's horrible, horrible, horrible work. The daytime temps when we were doing this in spring of way back when, it was probably 80s in, in Los Angeles County, but up in the attic where I was going around in the dust and the dirt of a 70-year-old home, it must have been 110, and you drilling holes and fishing wire down, back and forth across the drywall, sweating, exhausted, and then boom, I fell through the drywall, to which my mother-in-law ran over and said, let me get a picture, and to which I released all of the anger in my heart, you know, it's like... This isn't that funny, actually. No, it's not actually that funny. I didn't fall all the way to the floor. I caught myself on a huge hole in our roof. And when the hole in the roof happened, the entire house, which was already a disaster, was just a, just a mess. Total, total mess. I was YouTubing this week about people falling through the roof because I couldn't find a picture back in those old days. And I saw this interesting little video. <laughs> I 
The best part of that video is no one actually is hurt. He's laying on the ground. He's like, the guys who's walking around is like, hey, Don. He's like, hey, Billy. Like as if this happens all the time. When I fell through the roof, I was not so kind or generous. I was really, really, really angry. And it created a total, total mess. Today, in this scripture, Jesus says, I want to make a hole in those things that feel like obstacles and barriers towards your healing, towards your transformation, or in people's lives that you love. Every one of us is in the story today. We're the man on the mat, we're the friends taking people to Jesus, or we're those in the room that were crowding around Jesus somehow and yet missing his absolute power. So let's look at the first point of our outline. This is the breakthrough moment. And I love this simple little Bible story. We're going to just kind of teach it exegetically and chronologically. The breakthrough moment happens here right at the beginning of our pericope, which is, means just a segment of scripture. Look at Luke 5, 17 through 20. In verse 17, Jesus was teaching. Pharisees teaches the law. They're sitting there. The religious are in the room. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea, from Jerusalem. That's a big deal. Jesus' fame already here in Luke 5 is spreading throughout Galilee, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. The Greek word for power here is dunamis. He has power to heal. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to land before Christ. This is what faith looks like. When they could not find a way to do this, they went home and said, sorry, Billy. No, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, they lowered him on his mat, threw the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. I will pause here real quick because two audacious things happen in this text. Jesus has the audacity to take a man who's been living on a mat and heal him of his sins before he healed his body. And what does that matter? Because for a lot of us in the room, we're outcome-minded. It's our friend's cancer. It's my, it's my marriage or my dating relationship or my money situation or my physical situation. Like, we've got something on the mat. And if Jesus would change that, then we're promising him our faith could increase. And yet Jesus says, change will happen from the inside out. I want to change your inside and then we'll look at your exterior. Also remarkable is that Jesus saw their faith. Like from what we're given in the Bible story, the man himself does not beg Jesus for forgiveness. But Jesus looks at the faith of the friends in order to heal the man on the mat. Now this matters a great deal. Because every one of us in the room, we have those friends. We have that family. We have, we have people that it's hard to hope for. We have people that we're like, man, they're never going to change. And I'm preaching to myself here. Because sometimes I, I, I look at people and, you know, and like in, in circles and I'm just sure like they're never going to change. And yet Jesus looks at the faith of this man's community and grants him inner healing and later outer healing. That's remarkable. This is the breakthrough moment. Jesus has this dunamis, the Greek word for power that's in Jesus to have authority over sins and authority over healing is this Greek word dunamis. 
I just want to highlight at a high level that the Holy Spirit has been doing more and more and more powerful works through Bethany Community Church, and in particular through a group of dedicated people here at Bethany North. Now that's remarkable to me because we were saying for some time, like we're, we, we talk a lot about the Father, we talk a lot about the Son, and then sometimes it's crickets with the Holy Ghost. It's like the Spirit. We're light on our pneumatology at Bethany. We really are. And Pastor Raul, when he joined the team, he felt like God was birthing in him this passion to, to see more Spirit. And so while I was on, on sabbatical this summer, I'm out hiking or fishing somewhere, Raul and the prayer ministers of this church, they, they felt led to not just start a Holy Spirit ministry at Bethany North, but to invite people from all six locations. So just this fall, almost 50 individuals from all six Bethany locations met at the Green Lake location to go through a class called Dunamis. It's about Holy Spirit training. And if you're like, oh, I wish I would have known or whatever, just I will say two things. One, it was amazing. People got trained in the Holy Spirit. Healings happened. People had deeper and deeper encounters. Unreal. And it's not too late because Dunamis 2 comes out in February, and there'll actually be an on-ramp class before. So if you're interested in that, talk to Pastor Raul or someone on a prayer team. Dunamis. We're meant not just to be thinking about Jesus, but encountering his power. It's just remarkable. This man, verse 18, the men came carrying the paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house. I thought a lot about that this week as I've been studying and what it would have been like to have been carried on the mat. This man carried on the mat. His his buddy is so dedicated to getting him healed that they, they would stop at nothing. That's pretty remarkable to me because if you think about life on the mat, I don't know if any of you have like a thermos like this. The thing is, this isn't all that comfortable, which is probably news for those of you that camp, right? It's like, yeah, it's not, it's all right, though. But you can't, you can't get anywhere yourself. Like on a mat, if this is my life, you're kind of stuck here, right? You kind of, you, like, you can try to inchworm something. I mean, but no, the man is paralyzed. He's, he's stuck here. And so that's what's so remarkable about this text, is it means that we're meant to hold hope for the people that feel hopeless, for the people that feel paralyzed, for the situations, for people that we love that feel like they, they need a breakthrough. They need a breakthrough. What happens for this man when he shows up in front of Jesus, Jesus calls him friend and Jesus heals him. And so I just have a question for you. Like who's somebody in your life that's living on a mat right now? Who's somebody in your, in, in your circle of friends that is just, they're sick they're discouraged. Their faith is dead. Like, is there, is there a person in your life that you think is, is on the mat? Or, or how about this? Is there things inside of you that you could say are kind of dying inside of yourself? There's things inside of you that are getting paralyzed, your ability to have hope, your, your ability to have faith. I want to encourage you this morning in this message to to have people or places within yourself and and put them on the mat. Because Jesus says, I didn't come just that we would think different. I came to bring dead places to life. And so our job, if we're going to be Jesus followers, is to take places in our heart, take places in our life, people that we care a lot about, and, and put them on the mat. 
And we're meant to be embodying this deeper and deeper and deeper hunger for the Spirit to change us. Certainly, I know that's for me. And I, this, is, this has not been Pastor Scott's best advent ever for peace, for intimacy with Jesus. It's just, it just has felt like a heaviness. A lot of people that I work with are sick, and there's like discouragement, and it's been, it's been heavy. So what do you do? You, you, you check out. Or you place things on the mat. And so that means that I hunger for places for more and more and more revelation for God's spirit. It also meant this week driving up to Burlington, where my spiritual director is, and sitting with my spiritual director and just praying, saying, I want more and more of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want more power, more joy, more peace. How do we get there? And my spiritual director reminded me of this verse from 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Now, we're all called. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent ways. And so when we start to make peace with our brokenness, we start to die. When we start to make peace with places inside ourselves that feel joyless or faithless, our heart starts to die. When we start to look at people that are paralyzed around us or situations that feel utterly impossible for God to intervene, then we're saying that, God, we no longer believe you're a God of power. But Jesus has power and authority to heal. And so may we continue to press in for breakthrough moments. Because all of us, at times, will experience the second point of our outline, what it's like to live life on a mat. Like, look at verses 21 through 24. Like, this was a literal situation for the man. Some of us have literal sickness or literal uh, disease that will not be cured overnight. And some of us are caring for people that are struggling a great deal. Look what Jesus says in the healing of this man in verse 21 through 24. Because we start to have deeper implications of what goes on the mat. Uh, Friend, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, pause there. That should scare the daylights out of us. Like for some of us, like, oh, I haven't manifested an exterior sin. I'm not, you know, looking at something inappropriate or I didn't scream at one of my coworkers. Jesus is reading their minds here and discerning their hearts and calling them out. Jesus knew what they were thinking. It's amazing. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. This is an amazing story. Because what starts to happen here in in this story is we see that everyone in the story but Christ is broken. Jesus asked this great question, which is easier, to, to heal the inside or heal the outside? And Jesus knows that the people sitting around him in the room, he calls them out. Why are you thinking these things? There are things that you can think that will destroy your power source, says Jesus. There are things you can carry around in your internal spaces that will erode your hope in me, says Jesus. He's calling out those people, remember, that were crowding around him. The sick can't get in because the religious are already there. This, if we're already in faith, should frighten us. Because what it means is that just being in a posture of being proximate to Jesus is not enough. 
that even if I'm like, hey, I went to the church service, hey, I, I streamed the podcast, hey, I, you know, I, I read the thing that somebody sent me, hey, I, hey, I, hey, I, Jesus is like, I don't care. I don't, I'm not raising a new religious folk. I want you to experience my healing and my power and my hope. So I don't care that you're in the room with me. I, I, I'm worried about that bitterness that's creeping into your heart. And I'm telling you, says Jesus, it's not okay. See, we have this mistaken notion of Jesus, this Caucasian, long, blonde hair who, you know, walking around Israel somehow, he's like the only white man in Israel 2,000 years ago, and he's never angry, and he's never frustrated, and I mean, honestly, like, we've, we've taken some of his power away. We've certainly pulled him out of his actual culture, and we miss it. Oh, you know, no, hey, no, he got angry that one time with the money in the temple. And we tell ourselves this because if you're like me, I'm uncomfortable with anger. I struggle with being in tune with my own emotions. Uh, so Jesus is just this ethereal, religious, no. He was God incarnate. And sometimes he got ticked off. What made him angry, Scott? Where, where, where did the anger get riled up inside of him? People that hung around him, carrying around bitterness in their own hearts. And that's very, very, very convicting to me this morning. I'm, I'm, my hunch is for two or three of the rest of you, it might be convicting too. Jesus is warning us through the text today. Don't be complicit with those places that have become hopeless. Don't become complicit with those places where you think in your heart that I can't hear you or you don't think I'm powerful enough to heal situations anymore. You said, I came in authority and power to change everything. And so he looks at the Pharisees, they're getting dusty in the wake of someone else's healing and he's like, you need to have more grace You need to have less cynicism. You need to be convicted that you're not seeking me the way this man's friends are seeking me. The friends in the story, man, they're courageous enough to dig a hole in another roof in their community. Like they had, Jesus probably left town the next day. These guys had to see Joe at the watering hole. Yeah, I'm sorry what we did to your house. Uh, That's, that was on us. Like, you know, Billy was hurt, so, you know, like, sorry, we put a hole in your roof. Like, that's the person that, you know, the homeowner's like, you made a mess of things. But they were so desperate when they could not find a way, they continued to seek out Jesus. And how about the man? The man who allows himself to be lowered into a building full of people by ropes. Like, this is incredible. Because... Jesus has authority, but if you think about his mat was portable enough that Jesus would tell him at the end of the story, take this with you. And yet, here first century, in a hole in a roof, he allowed his buddies to lower him down. He trusted them, and he also was desperate enough to say, I'm willing to do anything to have more of Jesus in my life. What if the church was more like that? What if we were able to be more vulnerable with each other? What if we were to lean into each other and say, I'm on a mat on something in my exterior life and something in my interior life and bring other people along into that? See, for a lot of the problem of the church is we look at everyone else and we say, well, they've got it all together. 
Like if I showed them how rough my week was, or that I yelled at my kids on the way to church, or I've been feeling really hopeless or discouraged or down, I might be experiencing depression right now. Like we're scared that if we're vulnerable like that, that people will hold that against us or they'll judge us. But as soon as you show up around a table and people are being real, what do you find out? Everyone else says, oh, me too. It maybe is a little bit different, but I've got my stuff on the mat too. And so when people are courageous enough to say, this is what hurts and I'm hoping for Jesus to heal, it allows more people to see God working in you. I don't know in 2020 how we might do this more, but I do know there's places that is going to call you to some participation. I mean, specifically, I'd call the men in the room. I just invite you. We do this annual thing. We do this men's summit. We now brand it. And I wrote this content on the life of Abraham during my sabbatical. I'm just finishing it up. It'll be five weeks in the winter. I would love you to join us because I'll have some teaching and then you're going to gather in circles to just say, this is what's happening in my life. And I know 5.30 is too early for some and too late for others and five weeks is too short for this. Like, this is the problem with any of our programs. They're never going to be quite right. But if we don't learn to lean on each other more as a church, we're going to miss some of the transformation that happens in community. And so Jesus says to the through this story, and he, he is begging us to ask this question this morning. What area of internal or external brokenness does Jesus want to heal? I, I want it like, what if you just were able to, even now in your mind's eye, to let the hunger for God to do something in your life fill this room? Jesus, would you heal my loneliness? Jesus, would you heal my anger? Jesus, would you heal my lust? Jesus, would you heal my debt? Jesus, would you heal my pride or my sickness or my marriage or my singleness or my hurt or my heart or my apathy? What if that hunger defined us as a faith community? And so the best news this morning is this promise that those that know they need transformation, Jesus says, I want to heal you. No one ever left the feet of Jesus unchanged. But I do want to warn you that it is the truth that what stinks the most about us normally is what we guard away in our interior spaces. Jesus said, um, he, he warned this. He says, you know, woe to you are the Pharisees that whitewash the exterior of your life and, and don't clean the interior spaces of your heart. Or Paul says this a little bit differently in 1 Corinthians 8. He says, we know we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. And so there's this, there's this call to conviction of stuff that goes on in our in, interior spaces that Jesus says, I'm not okay with you carrying it around, even if you're not talking to others about it. Because if you carry around dead dreams, it starts to steal your faith. It starts to stink. We raise chickens. And in the city of Edmonds, the ordinance is four chickens per home. So we raise four chickens And if you buy your eggs at the store, you're smart because those of us that raise chickens, we think we're saving money even though we spend hundreds of dollars on coops and feed and whatever, but it is fun, right? And and every so often, you get a rotten egg. It's just the truth with with farm fresh eggs. Happened to me this week. It's like, you know, busy week, kids running around, chaos, four kids morning, lunches, breakfast, whatever. I cracked this egg. It felt a little bit light in my hand. It didn't have the full volume. Should have been my first warning side. Cracked it, 
boom, like a stink bomb in the kitchen. I literally grabbed the, the garbage and ran outside. Like, could it, it, wasn't, it wasn't open for more than seven seconds in our kitchen. But the foul odor that remained, like, it took, it took a while. And as I was prepping this message today, I couldn't help but think about places inside of me that start to turn foul. Places inside of me that Jesus says, I'm not okay with your cynicism. I'm not okay with your despair. I'm not, I, I'm okay with it for a while. But Scott, if you hold on to it there in the interior of your heart, it will die there. And so the Pharisees in the room, and they're in proximity, but they miss it. Jesus says, take everything that is a hurt or a heartache and put it on the mat and let me do business with your heart. They have the breakthrough moment. They've talked about life on the mat. And finally, the reality of being healed is that we're all covered in dust. I mean, back to my opening story when a drywall, you know, when I fell through the roof, man, drywall dust everywhere. This man's healing was messy. Look at verse 25 to 26 as the story wraps up. In verse 25, Jesus, immediately the man stood up in front of them. He's healed. He has power from Jesus. He took what he'd been lying on and he went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. We've seen remarkable things today. That's the NIV translation. The Greek word for remarkable is this word paradoxos, in which we get the word paradox, paradoxical. They've said, we've seen paradoxical things today. A man who was lame was lowered into a room. A man was healed and he went out running. The Pharisees had power. They were convicted on this interior dead things in their life. Jesus is coming to name the paradoxical things to release us in healing and encounter and transformation and all must deal with it. And so the man is lowered on the mat. I think we have a picture of this, that it's a little messier than we imagined. Like this is kind of the made for Sunday school, made for TV movie. There's some nice first century fascia on the whole, you know, like it's beautiful, like the grass lays over. The ropes, they went and got, you know, 12 gauge rope with perfect knots. They took this mat, you know, it's like, it's silly, really. It couldn't have been that clean. It was way messier than that. It was, the guy had to be scared to death. His friends had to be scared to make a hole in the roof. Everyone below is covered in the dust. When Jesus breaks in in power, it's messy. It's messy. But it's what we're meant to hunger for. We're meant to be a church seeing people set free, seeing people transformed. And then Jesus says, take your mat and go home. Now, this is really, really interesting to me and seems a little bit backwards. If you had lived your life on a thermarest, oh, God rest your soul. But if you lived your life on a mat, I mean, it would be worthless, one, and it would be pointless, two. Like the next leper is not going to come along and say, oh, is that an empty mat? No, it's, it's, there's no purpose. So why would Jesus say that? Like, this is a really, really important thing for us to get. Why did Jesus want people that were healed to take their mat and go home? I've thought about it a lot this week, and I'm firmly convinced that when we, when we take up that which is broken, and when we take up that which is dead inside of us, and we take up those things that feel like God will never move, and then, and then he moves, and we, we tell people about it, that it's like a, it's a testimony, 
That the, the empty mat becomes like God did something in me. Our tendencies want to, you know, cast it aside and go on with the bigger and better life because we're outcome-minded. But Jesus is saying, I want to move in your life, but I want you to tell people that I moved. And when you carry this empty mat into your community, they're going to know that God showed up, that Jesus did a miracle today. So I think the Spirit wants to encourage people in this room at the end of 19 and the beginning of 2020, name the good news of what the gospel's done in your life. Name the good news of what Jesus has done in your heart with your children, with your friend. Like some of you are like, man, God showed up this year. May you take up your mat and carry it around and give credit where credit is due that Jesus is the author and salvation and perfecter of your faith. This is where the story ends, that we're meant to be seeing these remarkable things in faith. Amazing things happen when we make a hole in it. And so may we be a church in the season ahead that says, gosh darn it, I'm going to put it on the mat. I'm going to lay out those things in my friends or in my life or in my heart, and I'm going to lower them down to Jesus And Jesus, if I just keep showing up and putting you in a place of authority in my life, I'm going to trust that you're going to move. And you're going to be the the one who wants to set me free. This is the work of our community in the beginning of 2020. Last week, there were as many adults in worship service as there had ever been in 10 years. And none of that matters if it's just crowding around a worship service and missing the encounter of power of the Holy Spirit. May we be moved from our interior and exterior spaces to encounter all that God has for us in the season ahead. And may you carry up your empty mat and proclaim that God is a powerful God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this church and this time and this place. We give our lives over to you now. We place our lives on the mat Lord, we we place those dead things inside of us onto the mat. Lord, we know there are people in our community that are hopeless or people in our families that make us feel hopeless. Lord Jesus, we want to trust you in every situation that we'd be moved closer and closer to your feet. And so we thank you for what you've said to us through our spirit this morning, God, that you've convicted us and encouraged us. And we pray, God, as we come to the end of this year that we might be experiencing your power your presence, your authority, for your glory, God. You would set people free in the room right now. Lord God, while our heads are bowed and our spirits are just stilled, we know there are people in this room that just want a fresh encounter with you. They feel paralyzed in faith. They feel dead. And God, you are asking to, to have a larger role of authority to set people free. And so God, even while we pause here with the hungry ones name their hunger and just say, Jesus, I want more of you this year. Would you heal my friends of their sickness? Would you heal me of my hardened heart? Would my home be full of your glory and your power? Lord God, would your spirit now do the work that you long to do? Bind us up, heal us. For many, many, many of us, God, it's really vulnerable to put more onto the mat because we're, we're trusting you, but it seems like it's taking a while to see things changed and healed. 
And so God, by the power of your spirit, allow us to wait well and to maintain our hope and the integrity of our faith. Call us out and change us, God, from the inside out to be set free. God, would you make a hole in the things that are limiting your power in our lives? Would you make a hole in the things that are stealing our hope this morning? Would you make a hole in the places where we feel paralyzed? Would you make a hole in those places that are killing our friends and neighbors? Would you put a hole in it, God? Put a hole in it. We want to see your power this year, God. We want to have our faith increased. We love you, Jesus. Thank you that you're a powerful, almighty, and kingly God. And all God's people said, amen.